Welcome to a special Choose Your Own Holiday Holiday Edition of <laughs> oh. Food and Loathing, which is being recorded five days after Hanukkah, five days before Christmas, and for all the Wiccans out there on the eve of the winter solstice. Yeah. What about Festivus? Oh, Festivus. I don't know the date on Festivus. I also don't know of any Muslim, Hindu, or Shinto holidays that are happening right about now. My apologies if I'm missing one, but I hope you all have a wonderful new year if you're celebrating that or whatever. Just be happy and celebrate. I'm your host, Al Mancini, who has been reporting on the Las Vegas restaurant scene for over 20 years, and I have the gut to show for it. Not the guts, just the gut. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also the creator of the Neon Feast Restaurant Guide app and website. I am thrilled to be back with you this week after taking care of some family business on the East Coast last week. I'm sure none of you missed me because the show was oh, amazing without oh, me. Yeah, we we missed you. And that is thanks to the two people who are joining me today <laughs> via Zoom so we can at least see each other. Uh, my co-host and fellow foodie is a Las Vegas food writer, creator of the Wishbone and Vine dining blog, and an admin for Las Vegas's cookbook-inspired home cooking club, Please Send Noodles, Ms. Samantha Gemini Stevens. Hello! Hello! Oh, I and like that little applause. <laughs> yes, a little golf clap there. Smattering, yes. yeah. <laughs> The man who keeps us grounded both technically and thematically whenever our restaurant picks get too pretentious. He's our engineer and our liaison to the world of fast food, Mr. Rich Johnson. Hello, Rich. <laughs> no, not even the golf clap. Please. Yay. Yay. Rich rocks. Uh, we have a great Great show for you this week. Um, a bit later on, I'll have an extended interview with the new owners and the new chef at Gray's Kitchen to set the record straight on what's going on after all the online drama at one of the Valley's top plant-based restaurants. And I will also speak with the team at Batch Hospitality about the two new projects they have planned for 2024. Yeah. yeah. But before we get into that, we'd like to begin every show by giving you a glimpse into our recent dining experiences. We do not do formal reviews of restaurants on this podcast, but we do like to shoot the shit, often in what could be described as a humorously irreverent manner about the places where we've been dining. I mean, we eat out a lot. We get invited out a lot. We like to talk about food. That's pretty much what this podcast is all about. So let's get started. Gemini, where have you been eating, my friend? Oh, my goodness. I have been busy, so I'm going to try and I want to share most, if not all, of the stuff that I've been doing, but I'll try and keep it fairly um of course uh, you will yeah <laughs> even though that intro says nothing about being able to is, keep it condensed <laughs> brevity is really our strong suit here yeah as we've proved with that lengthy uh, prerequisite uh in no particular <laughs> order um i took john to milpa on durango for breakfast the other day um it had been a really long time since either one of us had been there and uh, i really was having a hankering for their uh, mushroom and squash tatelas, which are a little bit like um, a dumpling kind of tamale masa pocket thing that I just, they're so good. They're so fresh. They're so light. Milpa Full. is an excellent restaurant on Durango oh, Drive. Oh, so and good. Chef DJ Flores has actually been on this um, this podcast before. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, he's one of the people who is really dedicated to preserving using heirloom corn to create oh. masa, to create tortillas, to really preserve um, Mexican culture that way. And yeah. of course, his tortillas in there are fucking oh. amazing. And it, I mean, it comes across in the food. So, you know, I got the tatelas because I do love what they do with their masa. And then I also went for the green chilaquiles. Um, I wanted to kind of half and half, but I understand that that's a lot of work for them. So, and I only wanted one dish. I didn't need to. Um, but uh, yeah, really great green salsa the chips were still really nice and crispy i love that both dishes had an egg on it because i'm pretty much a fan of a runny egg on everything um and just watching the food come out of the kitchen was also beautiful the flavors are fantastic they use really fresh ingredients the spices that you want are there everything is really developed and and layered so yeah definitely go on down to milpa um and that would be on Durango. I'm trying to remember the cross street because it's pretty close to my house. It's like Peace it's Way, pretty, maybe like I think Flamingo. it's called Peace, but it's pretty close to Flamingo. Yep, that's yeah. that's a good major cross area. Um, and uh, it's just this little corner thing. You can see it from the street when you're driving down the street, and uh, it's not huge, but it's nice. It's comfortable. Everybody is super super um, friendly. Is just it order. in the space that are, I, I could be wrong here? So forgive me. I'm going to go sure. off on tangent since you know I we just promised to be brief. <laughs> um, is it in the space that was the original Elia site? It's right around there, isn't it's it? It's in that area. Yeah. Might yeah. Okay. Anyway. Sorry. Um. Uh, so what else? I this, distracted uh, you. <laughs> you did. Food, That's sorry. okay. That's why I have notes. That's okay. Um, I hit one of all of our favorite places. Um, I hadn't been to Nene Japanese Bistro in a little bit. Oh and hell yeah. So um, I went in and I got just a couple of different things, like very different things. So I got a king crab maki roll. Maki um, is the smaller sushi roll for those who don't know. It's basically a California roll, but instead of using the fake crab, this one had king crab. So it was really nice and rich, but it was still a nice light bite. I wasn't going for anything too heavy because with it, we also ordered the scallops with udon noodles, which come with this rich creamy sauce that still has all these beautiful asian flavors but comes off a little bit like an italian pasta it's almost italian right That's yeah it. yes and and the noodles and udon noodles for me i find in many places are usually a little bit sticky and a little bit heavy and they're just not here and so i had to get the dish and and i love how they use the whole scallop out of the out of the shell they don't um you know, pretty it up for you. So you still have the little, the little frilly bits on the edges and everything is just so meaty. Uh, and it's just a wonderfully put together dish. And yeah, it's almost Italian, but you still get all those beautiful Asian flavors. Um, and then we got some veggie tempura, pretty simple. I love their tempura. It's probably one of the lightest ones we have in the Valley, super crispy, good flavors in the batter, which some people I'm finding lately are not doing, which is weird to me. And the veggies still had a little bit of a bite to them, which I really appreciated. So that was really good. And then I saved for the next day, a salmon and avocado bowl with rice. They're not huge. They're maybe four inches across, five inches across, but it's fresh salmon, fresh avocado, some beautifully chopped peppers, all the furikake and seaweed and things like that, a really perfect light bite for lunch. So I got two meals out of that one. Um, and then I tried, I'm going to do one more and then I'll leave it. Um, I tried a new place. A friend of mine had mentioned this place called Casa El Desayuno uh, on the north and slightly east side. Um, one of them is on 
Lake Mead near Civic Center, as well as there's one on Charleston between Spencer and Bruce. Um, I really enjoyed the, what they call tricolor chilaquiles. I got red, I got green, so I got to try both of the sauces. The third color was really just a ranchera steak in the middle, but it was perfectly cooked, really lovely. Um, I love that there was a lot of cheese, but not overly so. The chips were still really good. Um, we also ordered, <laughs> I had a problem here. We also ordered the chicken flautas. Not only were they not flautas, they were just taquitos. Sorry, guys. That's what they were. Um, they, they were dressed kind of poorly. And I found a half of a chewed toothpick or something in there. At first, uh, I, thought it was, uh, first okay. I thought it was a chicken bone. And then I realized it was a toothpick and it was only a half of one. And look yeah, like I'd rather have it. hair than that. Oh, my God. <laughs> so what I uh. ate was really good. I, I want to give them credit for that. Shit happens. I'm I'm not, you know, I'm willing to go back and give it another try. Um, but if you're going to tell me you're, you're putting out a flauta, put out a flauta. These were definitely just rolled taquitos. Um, they kind of felt like they came out of a freezer bag. So I'm, I'm half and half on this place. It's new to me. So I'm definitely going to go back and give it another try and uh, see what we can do with that. All right. I will uh, go next. Uh, you know, Al has uh, talked in the, you know, scolded me more than a couple of times about uh, occasional <laughs> fast forays as a way to reconnect with childhood pleasures and how they seldom, if never, live up to memories. Right. Well, two days of driving your car from Las Vegas to Portland. I Which needed, I'm grateful for. Oh, yeah. I needed something comfortable and familiar and kind of fast. Since Portland this past Saturday saw every possible vehicle on the roads that I needed to be on, <laughs> last 10 miles of my journey, excuse me, the last two miles of my journey took about as long as the preceding 50. Oh, my God. I wanted something fast. And uh, I remember there's a Domino's near my sister's house. So I ordered the medium extravaganza with the so-called hand-tossed dough. Extravaganza is their word for what others would call a combo. Pepperoni, sausage, onions, olives, green peppers, uh, mushrooms. I added pineapple. I am not ashamed. I like pineapple on pizza. Yeah. I own it. And it lived up to the memory of Shakey's uh, in Beaverton, Oregon in the 60s. My first ever pizza. Uh, and a couple of other places around here as well. Three hot slices Saturday night watching football and three cold slices Sunday afternoon watching football. And, uh, <laughs> Al, I was thing. not ashamed. No, well, you certainly never not be ashamed. Nobody should ever be ashamed of what they eat, no matter how bad it may be to other hey, people. You, should just, you <laughs> should just shame other people. No, like, <laughs> hey, honestly, Rich, you know, there, there, there are things. That you, I've never shamed you. I, I welcome you to talk about this stuff. It's the most popular food in America. People like it. There's, you know, we should we should certainly talk about yeah, what's good and what's bad about it. Now that being said, you know, pizza. Very different than when you talk about McDonald's in my eyes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like pizza is one of those things that even the worst pizza in the world is still pizza. It's still good. You get pizza, you know, at, at, at rock concerts in 1980s, you know, which was like the worst, most cardboard shit in the world. And you still love it. Yeah. Right. Um, and so like, so first of all, like, yeah, comparing Domino's to McDonald's, not even the same thing. I mean, it's just not like, you know, the, the, the commercial grade meat. Those aren't really the yeah, problems. Yeah, yeah. I'll <laughs> give you that. But, they had the big campaign said, a few years ago. We we heard you. We've upped our ingredients. We fixed things up. I have not. 
I don't think I bought a Domino's in a decade. I've been at like workplaces where they order 20 on election. Yeah, well, that's what Domino's is for. Workplace yeah, yeah. parties. And exactly. of course you take a slice to be nice and it's good and you're happy. You got free and you need some work. food. You need some fuel. But I, yeah. I enjoyed but, but, this one. Here's what bothered me, though, is that you just it's not that you that you have that you, that you like fast food. OK, awesome. Not even and certainly pizza way better than when you like McDonald's or whatever. OK, okay. that's fine. But, but the fact that you then compared it to like your favorite childhood memory of a mom and pop pizza place. That makes me oh, wonder oh, like no. that no, you no, can't no. see the difference in levels between no, I, I must your favorite it. childhood memory of your mom and pop place and a fucking Domino's I, Hawaiian I have, pizza. I have to correct you on that. That's the difference East Coast, West Coast. You had the mom and pop pizza places in the East. Mm-hmm. We had Shakey's, which is a West Coast chain. There's still a half a dozen of them. Or Round Table California. in California. Round Table, things like that. That was my childhood pizza. I never saw oh, a mom okay. and pop pizza place until I went East. Yeah. So so that was the how those okay. ways. I did one uh, sit down restaurant meal that I've had here in Portland, a place called Oswego Grill, and you know that doesn't mean anything if you live in Vegas and listening. It's you know it's a suburb here like Oswego. The company that owns it has uh, that brand for two or three other places, and they run several other outlets under other names. An excellent company that runs these big places. It's like 150 seats, trains its staff very well, gives great value. The menu is large. It serves food that is fine. An enjoyable evening with an old friend from high school having food. Uh, if it were not for this podcast, I probably wouldn't remember what I had. It was a beef pot pie. And it was. Well, we've gone to fine. do them. It's, we're now telling non memorable yeah, <laughs> stories. But there's a lot of places like not bad, not yeah. excellent, no. good enough. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and you got to eat. At least a couple times a day, man. You know, not every place can be a fucking Michelin-starred restaurant, exactly. nor should it, you know? This what I like really a- appreciate about this description, though, is that you're talking about a place that, I mean, seating 150 is kind of a large group. Yeah. Uh, not a group, but a, a, a large <laughs> hell of a group. Like, <laughs> it's a hell of a fucking wedding. <laughs> it's a factory. Yeah. Um, a well-run yeah, factory. Exactly. And so I have a lot of appreciation for, as much as I may not like the food at a lot of those places, I have an appreciation for the training and the consistency and, and and hearing somebody talk about walking in and, you know, not necessarily having a bad experience, just kind of, you know, the food was fine. The experience was the time I had with my, my old friend. There you go. Yeah. And a nice bottle of wine. I would rank this like a couple of steps above Applebee's and maybe a notch below like Fleming's or bonefish grill. I hear Uh, you. Best Vegas comp I could come up with was uh, maybe grand Lux cafe, you know, huge, place huge mm-hmm. menu things are done fine but how often do you remember you know, you know and this is in where this, this ringing endorsement we should all travel where to have this <laughs> well, the i'll greater, be there tomorrow <laughs> the greater portland area yes okay all right now to fulfill my have you had anything in las vegas rich uh no i left town friday okay, <laughs> after cool. we recorded uh i will however tonight as we record this dine at a really cool tiny hip chef-run French place called Cécibon Bistro in Vienne on the east side of the Willamette River in Portland. And yes, I will be enjoying some Coquille Saint-Jacques onion soup and duck confit. So stay tuned next week or 
not. Did you order ahead? There's some redemption there. I like this. No, I'm just looking at the menu, and I know oh. that <laughs> will be there. Okay. Uh, so now it's me. Um, of course, I was on the East Coast with my family dealing with um, some health issues for about a week. Not mine. Fortunately, since last we spoke, happy to report that all is well with everyone, I'm which so is glad. why I'm yeah. back and why I'm in a great mood, even if you can't hear it through my sour delivery. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, life is good. The holidays are here. I've been eating delicious things. Where to begin? Where to begin? Uh, okay, let's do this in order, I guess. I'll skip over my report about the one notable restaurant that I tried in Philly until the end. And I will spare you my thoughts on Brio, where I ate with my aunt oh, completely. Yeah. Um, I'll save that for maybe when Rich dines at Brio. Talk about factory. Yeah. Um, That's a great hey, comparison man. to where I ate. That's yeah. Yeah, the rain level. is in her 90s and it's very close to her house and she loves it. So I'm happy to go there, there you go. for her. Um, but so let's take it all the way back. I celebrated my birthday in Las Vegas. That was one of my favorite meals of the year because my beautiful wife pulled out the recipe for a dish that we used to cook on special occasions Aww. when we were young and very young and very poor and didn't know much about food. And it was one a great dish. It was a way that we, and not even worth going into the details, but something that brought it back. A huge thank you to my beautiful wife, Sue, for that. I mean, look, I've always said nostalgia is one of the greatest ingredients someone can bring to a meal. I've spoken mm. about that many times here. Um, and also sticking up for Rich's love of certain fast food for exactly that there reason. <laughs> and this was a meal that made me nostalgic. And um, yeah, with the full of nostalgia and love. So that was great. Then I paid a visit to Corey's Fine Wine and Spirits to buy some bottles of booze to stock the holiday bar. Yeah, baby. Because when you do that this time of year, you can enter their raffle for their rare bottles. And we've spoken oh, yeah. about that here on this show before so i'm not going to get too into it but that raffle i believe is still going on until the holidays are over and while i was on that side of town i decided to head over to aroma latin american cochina um this is a modest little joint in a strip mall on green valley and sunset it's kind of near queen of hearts and the codfather but actually a little closer to the la bonita that's over in that that mm -hmm. complex if you're familiar with that um Look, this has been a critic's darling for a long time. Jason Harris turned me on to it in the early days of this show, and he wrote about it for many publications. Um, he may even have helped to get an award or two at some, some of the mags he writes for. Um, and still, I've never made it in. Then about a month ago, James Trees sent me a text to tell me about his amazing meal there. Um, I hope he knew that I might quote him on this. Let me get a phone call <laughs> saying, why are you quoting me, Mancini? But uh, among the things that he wrote were um, – Stephen Kessler is trying to do something that is so hard. He's trying to start a restaurant in a completely new category of Southern American mixed with the cuisines of Korea and Japan. And I believe that um, James meant South American, although I'm not sure, but um, perhaps Latin American. And anyway, look, he's correct. There are tacos here, but they're not what you'd expect. There are Guatemalan enchiladas, which are honestly closer to maybe a tostada. Uh, it's just a crazy menu. Sue and I went in and ordered light, but the chef saw that we were there and he sent out a lot of dishes. Um, we started with an amazing spin on aguachile, um, beautiful slices of raw mm -hmm. yellowtail yes, served please. with pineapple and jicama, which of course right there, that puts a twist on it and some chili lime peanuts. And then the server poured on um, what's described as habanero jus, but it also had something sweet, almost a vanilla-y component to it that I couldn't quite place. Home run, man. Really contrasting flavors and textures all coming together in a beautiful unified whole. Um, we also had some amazing tempura fried chili rileños. 
an off-the-menu house-made chorizo sausage that the chef's working on that came with some crusty bread and a little um, ramekin of decadent country butter that was just so good to spread on that bread. There was a delicious empanada, some teeny pork belly bites, a massive gaucho sandwich of grilled steak, caramelized onions, and tomatoes on a hoagie roll to which I added some melted cheese. Yes. All of it excellent, man. <laughs> this place is great. If you haven't been, you're missing out. Don't wait for a chef friend of yours to text you about it. Consider this your wake-up call. Head over there. It's it's excellent. And I'm honestly thinking, you know, I don't think James filled out his latest um, Neon Feast uh, survey for me yet, but I'm going to just use that text from him as a vote that for this place. From <laughs> um, I've now eaten at the new Durango Resort twice. The first before I left town was at the George, which is the indoor-outdoor 24-hour sports bar. And man, what a setup over there. It honestly feels probably four to five times larger than it is because of these curved viewing screens they have both inside and out. They're, they're kind of immersive. Uh, so you almost get the illusion that you're in a truly massive sports place. You almost feel like you're in like one of the Circa sports book oh, or the stadium wow. swim, right? But, yeah, I don't know, yeah. but it's, it's, it's much, much, much smaller than that, right? But it, it definitely has that immersive feel. Um, there are outdoor activities and games over there. I'm told there will be entertainment after the last sporting, you know, show on TV ends every night. Again, 24 <laughs> hours. They're going to keep this open. Uh, yes. The last sports ball game is over. They'll, they'll have some <laughs> other kind of entertainment. Um, we simply had some Buffalo wings and some artichoke tip, but I like them both a lot. I love the space. I can really see this giving my other go-to spots for watching VGK games a run for their money. Cause it's nice. very close to my house. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, then shortly before I left town, I saw Sparrow and Wolf post a rabbit dish on Instagram oh. and I began to immediately crave that. So Sue and I popped into the restaurant and promptly ordered the braised rabbit and parsnip agnolotti. Oh, so envious. I love rabbit. So good. That dish is amazing. I missed it. Really warm and welcoming on a cold Vegas night. Perfect for eating at the bar. And then Chef Alec was in the kitchen. Apparently, he saw my mohawk through the open window or something. <laughs> yeah. And he proceeded to send out some additional food. Another item that's really worth mentioning is the um, Brandade. B-R-A-N-D-A-D-E. Brandade. Okay, mm -hmm. sorry. So these are these fried balls of fish and potatoes in a way. Um, more technically or more elegantly, they are miso-cured cod mixed with palms puree. Um, they're then fried up and topped with sea urchin dollop of green curry creme fresh. Honestly, if you want to know what, what makes Sparrow and Wolf so fucking great, <laughs> it's dishes like this. You know, they're Ugh. hard to describe. They're always amazing. They knock you on your ass. Um, yeah. Go in with an open mind. You're always going to have something great. Also had a great pear dessert. So um, let me send some love out to the pastry team. I was just saying, there not, well. not your boobies gefilte fish. No. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Uh, then I went to Philly. Then I came back. As soon as I got off the flight, Sue and I went over to Echo and Rig for brunch. Uh, started with a nice skewer of delicious bacon, a salmon Benedict on a potato latke, and a massive egg sandwich. All excellent. Um, this was the Tivoli Village uh, Echo and Rig that we were dining at. So loved that a lot. The next day, returned to Durango and had some bites at Let Us Entertain You Summer House. I really like the feel of this place. This very casual indoor-outdoor. It's like you're at a beach house. 
kind of funny that this is turning into a genre of restaurants in recent years, this kind of beach house or house. You're, you're in the chef's home theme because honestly, Carrie Simon did that 20 plus mm-hmm. years ago at yep. Palm's Place. And that place has since reopened as the Laguna Pool House. Um, but now, you know, you see it all, all over the place. You see it at Cassie Beach House. You I was know, you just see thinking it of here. That um, even maybe not Beach House, but Summer House, you know, Martha Bedford's, uh, Martha Stewart's The Bedford, right? Like this, this yeah. light, airy, well, let me come into my rich person's home is definitely <laughs> a new feel for restaurants. Um, these guys do it really well, too, man. I, I like it. So, um, what did I have to eat? Uh, okay. The, yeah. Sorry. I'm looking over my notes and I got distracted there. Um, <laughs> I had three dishes. They were all really good. Uh, I'll offer some minor constructive criticisms, but it's not because I didn't like these dishes. I did like all of them. Um, the, the potato salad deviled eggs. I didn't know what really made them potato salady. Um, because to me, I guess deviled egg filling and potato salad, like I like a good German potato salad anyway. So they're pretty fucking close and I didn't see any chunks of potatoes in here. So I don't really know what the descriptor was meant to mean, but they were good fucking deviled eggs. So enjoy them, man. That's Um, what counts. Yeah. That that's really what counts. Um, what else? I, we did a pizza. So I did a margarita pizza. And I like the fact that the tomato component of it was closer to tomato sauce than to slices of tomato, mm-hmm. which a traditional margarita often would have. Um, I, I liked having a bit more of a saucy feel to it. The one thing that I would say that I didn't like is the idea of sprinkling rock salt on the pizza. Ooh. And it gave some slices a very, very salty taste, others none at all. I do think salt was needed in this particular dish to cut through the sweetness of the tomatoes. I thought it was very good, but I would like it more even distributed rock salt can be weird that way like i like it on a chocolate chip cookie where i don't want salt in every bite i just wanted it as a pop-up little surprise but in other dishes and i like it on a steak you know with a nice crust things like that but other dishes i feel like and and this may not even have been rock salt it was more flaky but it was still finishing um, salt yeah finishing salt um so forgive me if i'm getting it wrong but it was still the idea that you would bite into one big piece of salt on one slice of pizza and then like no salt on the next slice right so i would just mix up the way i put my salt on again this man is constructive criticism man i would not turn people away from that um what else we really enjoyed this place we'd definitely go back uh prices i know when a new place opens everybody wants to know what the prices are like so i'm not going to pass any judgment on what's high what's low just tell you three deviled eggs 9.95 um what i would describe as a medium-sized margarita pizza 19.95 um, a huge wood grilled artichoke was sixteen ninety five. So you know that puts you in idea of what, what summer house is all about price wise. I think on par with you know the other things that I've noticed in the casual feel over at Durango, all right around that that deal. If you visit Summer House, though, do not actually you don't even have to visit Summer House. If you're walking by that that corner of Durango, make sure you go into their cookie shop because their cookies are fucking phenomenal. Oh, yesterday a- somebody told me I needed to try the lemon cookie. Oh, the lemon cookie's awesome. Oh. <laughs> and I had about a dozen of these delivered to my house uh, before the place even opened. Yeah. And they're all sitting in my gut right now. They were fucking <laughs> amazing. I mean, they're like three times the size of crumble cookies and shit. Like, oh my god, fucking huge! Uh, this time on our way out, we did get to, we did stop at the cookie shop, but I got talking to my waitress about these Oreo Rice Krispie treats that I saw, Ooh. and she was like, "Oh yeah, man, they use brown butter in them too." Oh so, my god! Now I got to get that right. So took that home, fattened up on that. It was excellent. So thank you, Summer House. I do like Summer House a lot. Um. 
Finally, I went to the Chef Truck at Park MGM, which is a brand Yay! new collaboration. It's Roy Choi. It's John Favreau. The two of them have been friends since Choi consulted on Favreau's excellent film, Chef. And they've reinterpreted some of those dishes in a truck, which is parked near yes. the convention center entrance of Park MGM or near the business center entrance, I guess I okay. should say, which is by the pool and the tram stop. Uh, so the truck is there. There's a bunch of cute little toy trucks that if you look inside them, it's done with mirrors. <laughs> it looks like there's all kinds of weird shit going on in there. Um, there's a couple tables set up that you get your food. You can sit right there and eat. Um, so I tried two things, actually three things. I tried the original Cubano from the movie because I love a good oh, Cubano. They yes, call yes, theirs yes. the Media Noche. That's what they call it. So that was very good. And then I had a vegetarian version. This is the one they call the Cubano. Um, but it's a vegetarian version made with portobello, eggplant, and grilled tofu. Honestly, as someone who loves a good Cubano, the veggie one was just as good as the original because it's all the other stuff. It's the pickles. It's the mustard. You know, mm -hmm. it's the, all that shit, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And there were still the contrasting textures of vegetables, similar to the contrasting textures of the of the pork that you get on a traditional one, right? So Yeah, that's um, amazing. I thought it was really fucking good. So I would I would tell people to try that vegetarian one, um, especially if you want to be just a little healthier. Although I'm <laughs> sure it's not exactly on anybody's um, diet plan. Right. Um, I also did some really good tasty um, ham and cheese croquettes. So that was fantastic. That's about it for Vegas. I should also note that while I was in Philadelphia, I tried the happy hour menu at Stephen Starr's Pod, which was a short walk from my hotel and the hospital that I had been visiting. Um, I had his buttered crab sushi roll. Now, you Ooh. were just talking about crab, real crab in yeah. the sushi restaurant. Now, this is crab with a K. So okay. this is actually Connie, the you know, artificial crab meat. And it's in the, that white sushi roll paper, the kind of rice paper. Oh, yeah. Of nori, right. So it's big, thick. And then it comes with um, clarified butter for dipping Ooh. with a little ponzu on the bottom. So okay, that. <laughs> yeah, how can you not yeah. be into that? man? If you're dripping <laughs> fucking clarified butter from your face, you're having a good day. That's just a fact. I'm sorry. Um uh, what else? A really nice size order of Japanese fried chicken and then a plate of something called mochi potatoes, which were the gummiest and densest food I've ever eaten in my life. Oh. I mean, really, it's mochi and potatoes. And wow. And one starch just isn't enough. Yeah, but taste, yeah, exactly. No, the starchiest of truffles ever. Uh, it was really good, but really heavy. All of that, honestly, if I had been there with Sue, I would say we that would almost have been enough for a meal for the two of us off their happy hour wow. menu. Okay. And you know you're in Philly when you order all that and it's 30 bucks. Oh my yeah. god. Pretty cool. So Hell um, yeah. That was fun. But I bring it up because it is um my first time in a Steven Star restaurant and I had a good time. That's great. Excellent. Here we are. Still to come, a new Bobby Flay restaurant is taking reservations at Caesars. But first, Al talks to the teams at Batch Hospitality and Gray's Kitchen. This is Food and Loathing. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. 
Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. You want more Al Mancini? You can hear me all week long on all of the Highway Drive and Vegas Vibe radio stations delivering the Neon Feast foodie updates. Also, keep your eyes open for my appearances on Wake Up With The CW and my videos on the at Vegas social media channels. And you can find some of my writings at visitlasvegas.com. For this next segment, Al dropped by Table 34 to speak with the Batch Hospitality team, which has been running that landmark restaurant for over a year, about the two new restaurants they have planned for 2024. Here's his conversation with Constantine Alexander, Evan Glussman, and Chef Joe Valdez. Purchasing Table 34 was sort of an, I don't want to say an interim step, but it was your way of taking over an existing restaurant before you went out and expanded this new company of yours, Batch Hospitality, further into the um, into our valley. And now, from what I'm understanding, you're taking the things that you've learned here with two new projects, I believe, right? Yeah, we have two new project uh, projects opening. The first one's Bramari. Inspired Italian kitchen, and uh, that is on Paradise, uh, 3900 Paradise Road next to Cleaver, across the street from Howard Hughes. Um, that's going to be um, Italian entire, Italian inspired small plates, uh, great cocktail menu that Constantine has created, and great wine list. So we're really excited about that. It's about six weeks out from opening. Um, from there, we're going to open up Durango, uh, to be announced restaurant. We haven't come up with the name yet, but it's going to be very similar to Table 34, American Cuisine. Um, that's going to be on the cross streets of Durango and 215 uh, Centennial Hills, yeah, north. And um, I think that's going to be open up. Around. So yeah, I want to I want to clarify. You say Durango and two fifteen. We we were just before we started this interview talking about the new Durango Resort that Station is putting in, but that's not where we're talking about, right? We're talking Centennial Hills, which uh, is a great area for restaurants or great area, um, ton of population, but not really many great restaurants out there. Everything's QSR, fast food. Um, there's really no great dining out there, so I think we're going to be one of the first restaurants to go in that neighborhood. Um, again, Centennial Hill, so we're really excited about that. Cool. And what's the timeline on that? I think it's going to be early April, May. Okay. Great, man. Uh, so let's start one thing at a time. Bramare is the first project, and you're saying Italian small plates. So, uh, Chef, I'd like to chat with you about that because the first thing that comes to mind, and I know chefs don't ever want to be compared to anybody else, but I think about Lago or something like that in Bellagio when I think Italian small plates. Italian isn't really a... Um, a cuisine that's known for doing that so much, uh, that tapas you know, idea. So tell me what you have in mind. 
Uh, so we do have some small Italian plates in mind and some other European-inspired, uh, um, you know, smaller, shareable plates. But the way that the menu is going to be built is it's going to be built in formats. It's going to be a small, a medium, a large. Then we're also going to feature a ton of great handmade pastas and pizzas. Okay. And small, medium, and large, and then pastas and pizzas. So a little bit of everything. What what type of Italian food are you drawing on? I mean, obviously, I know we have Evan sitting at our table, who is, people know a lot from Piero's and that, that red sauce heavy. But this is a different company, and I'm assuming different concepts. So what type of Italian cuisine? Well, I really want to hit all the regions of Italy. You know, Venice is very known for having small street-style food. Uh, that's going to be incorporated into the small plates. We're going to have some Sicilian ideas. We're going to have some coastal ideas. We're going to have some Liguria ideas uh, featuring a lot of olive oil and pesto and things like that. But, uh, you know, I just want to hit all the regions, not Italian-American, not New Jersey-Italian. You know, we're really excited. It's, it's going to be in a, a really fun project, and we're really hoping to pull a lot of the city there. So a little bit of something for everybody, hitting on all the regions, not necessarily all light, not necessarily all heavy, for something for whatever kind of mood that you're in. Yep, absolutely. And, yeah, the fact, you know, you mentioned wanting to pull all the city over there because that location is now one of the hottest areas in Las Vegas. I mean, that it's, it's if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you're in that little um, industrial, that office park, that, you know, whatever you want to call it, across from Hughes Center, across Paradise Road. That's where Marrakesh used to be. That's where Firefly started out originally. Um, it's, so is that, that where we're talking about? Yes, yes. We are located in the hallway right next to Cleaver. Uh, across the road from Del Frisco's. You know, they completely rejuvenated that whole area. There's an apartment complex going behind there, a parking garage going behind there. Um, we're really excited. Yeah, and, of course, the sphere being there, yeah. right? I mean, that that kind of changes everything for that neighborhood, which was sort of, I feel, going downhill for a little while. And now with the sphere there, it's become prime real estate. Was that an inspiration to anybody on, on wanting to be located near the sphere? I mean, we just really like that area, and anybody who's been in Vegas long enough to know remembers when Roosquist used to be like a really great late-night spot there. It was packed all the time. Everybody went to that area. There's a lot of traffic going through there, and we really just feel like we can capture a lot of that after-work you know, industry crowd. You know, there's, there's a few industry places around that have kind of gone up and down as far as how they brought people in, but we just really like the geographical area of there. And the center like just got bought by Kalita Group, and they've done a really good job with it. It's brand new. It's fresh with all the residential that's going there. We just love the location, and we're really going to attack that late night and give people a really high-quality late-night place to, to garage. And, and also with the convention business and everything that's going on there, we just feel like it's a home-run location if we, if we do things right, which obviously is important. And, and again, you talk about Ruth's Chris with that history of late night after work, but also Cleaver has that as well currently. So it feels like there would be a nice complement of having you guys right next door to Cleaver there. Yeah, and the people at Cleaver are really excited to have us there. You know, they the, I've known those guys for a long time, and they have they do a great they do great work, and that center is really exciting. And there's just a lot of really good options there, and we feel like as the water rises, everybody will uh, will benefit from it. And uh, we're just we're, we're just really excited about the project in general and, and what we can do there. And Constantine, when we talk about someplace that'll be appealing to that after work crowd, that late night crowd. 
obviously that's right up your alley because everybody wants a cocktail after work. That's not where people are going usually for, for mocktails if you're going off, out after work. So as you are the spirits genius and the cocktail guy and the wine guy for this organization, what can we expect the beverage program over there to look like? So right now there's a there's kind of a renaissance going on where the classic cocktails are being done uh, correctly and right. And obviously, you know, Cleaver and Herbs and Rye have really been the on the forefront of that over the last decade in the city. So with Italian, you know, you want to do, you know, the classic ways, do everything completely correctly and have some innovative feel and touch to it. But you don't want to mess up what's been done in the past. It's going to be mostly Italian spirits, a really, really precise program, all the proper glassware, all the bells and whistles. We'll be able to make all the classic American and contemporary cocktails as well. But really just have a lot of things using really, really specified Italian aperitifs, digestifs. We're going to do some grappas and cool stuff like that. The wine list will be very, very concise, best-in-class kind of wines. Nothing too crazy or goofy because we're not trying to alienate anybody and be too silly. So it'll be very, very approachable. But the, really the focus point is going to be the cocktails in the bar and just doing really, really precise classic cocktails with a modern twist to them and just making sure everything is super high quality and not buying any, you know, all the right ingredients, everything really, really high quality, making things where we can, but also all buying products where people will just be like, wow, these guys are really doing it right. And ultimately, the goal is to be the best cocktail bar in the city, and there's a lot of really good cocktail bars in the city, so that's not an easy thing to do, especially when you're right across <laughs> the corridor from one of the best cocktail bars in the city. We just feel like it's going to be really great to have some really symbiotic relationship with them, and it's going to be awesome. And there's no way not to raise your cocktail game if you're going to be right there. If you're going to try to play it all, you're going to have to play at a high level. Well, I mean, we're if you were to ask me right now, where's the best place to go to get a cocktail in the city? Cleaver would be in that conversation without a doubt. So what about the um, overall vibe of the restaurant? What's the feel going to be? When you talk about small plates, I automatically, my, my first thought would be it's going to be kind of a, I don't want to say loud in a bad way, but a, but a festive sharing, passing things across the table, kind of louder, maybe let, not, not so much a date night place, et cetera, but you know, Maybe I'm way off there. What, what are you looking for to establish? Is it going to be kind of a party atmosphere? Is it going to be a serious atmosphere? What, what are you guys trying to do with um, the feel for that you're bringing in there? So I would say it's going to be loungy in a sense, but it's going to be it's going to be upbeat. But it also wants to be. We want to have a professional crowd in there, especially during the happy hour and dinner rush. At night, it's going to have a very good kind of mellow vibe with a little bit of upbeat to it. But at the end of the day, we want people to be able to talk. We want them to be able to hear themselves thinks. We're not going to put bass woofers in the, in, the, in the banquettes or anything like that. We're not trying to make it a nightclub experience, but it'll be very, very dark and sexy. We've got some really good artwork and really good fixtures that are just going to kind of give it that good, sexy vibe. And the music will be tailored to, yeah, everybody's going to know you're in a high-energy environment, but you can still hear yourself think and talk and at the end of the day, enjoy cocktails and great food from Chef Joe. So all that coming to the Hughes Center area in about six weeks. Sounds great. Now let's talk about going into Centennial Hills because that that was an interesting one when I heard that from you guys, that you were going to Centennial Hills. And I feel that, you know, I try to research every neighborhood in Las Vegas, figure out where the best restaurants are there. Centennial Hills always comes up with a question mark for me. It is really tough. If you look at the Centennial Hills section of the Neon Feast app, we don't have a lot of great restaurants in there. We've got a lot of little little places, mom and pops, maybe some dessert spots, some chains that are particularly good. But it feels like it's kind of in a Ended up there. Um, you guys agree? Definitely. Um, you look at some of these other 
uh, areas. You look at Summerlin, you look at Durango Station area, everybody's flooding those areas, and there's so much to choose from. But Centennial Hills is is very dense, um, and like you said, there's just no great food options out there. You get a lot of the QSR, you get a lot of the chains, but nobody really serving high quality um, like we do. Uh, I think we're some of the best in the game, and it's time to be out in that neighborhood. So, Chef, in the time that you have been here since you've taken over and redone the menu at Table 34, could you talk a bit about about where you've brought that menu to, where where it's arrived at now, and then how the food in Centennial Hills will either be the same or perhaps a little different? So when, when we took over Table 34 Warm Springs, I just felt like we were missing some technique here as far as, you know, making French-style sauces, uh, you know, properly cooling and properly cooking sauces, and, um, you know, purchasing high-quality ingredients is, is really the name of the game, especially here at Table 34. And when we get up to Centennial Hills, I don't want to say that the menu is going to be a complete copycat, but that's what that neighborhood is missing. They're missing that home-style feel. You know, Evan touched on it, a lot of QSR restaurants, a lot of bars, um, you know, especially surrounding the hospital right across the highway. We just want to bring the same type of feel and the same type of cuisine up to Centennial Hills. In the time that you've been here, has anything emerged as a signature dish that you've put on the menu? Well, uh, you know, the old Chef Wes, he he had a great pork chop dish uh, on his menu I feel like we just revitalized it. Um, our Anchor Steam Pork Chop is a three-day brine and Anchor Steam beer. Um, it's, it's really been a home run for us. If, if Whenever somebody comes and they ask us, what should I try? I say, if you've never been here before, you've never tried the pork chop, that's what you got to go for. There's a lot of technique in that dish. There's a lot of great flavors in that dish, and, and it's just the perfect size. So, And Constantine, what can you tell us about the bar program? Well, so the bar is going to be a lot bigger there, and we're going to have a much larger bar area. So I think we're going to go a little over the, not over the top, but a little more out there and a little more, um, let's just say, um, innovative as far as what we do things. Here we had to try to keep it simple. Um, it's a small bar, and you know there's only so much that we can do with the space that we have and how things are set up. But there it's going to be you know, a large area and I think we'll have fun, but it is going to be more of a wine focused restaurant as this one is. And it, um, you know, we're not going to go too crazy, but I would say to see, especially some really good, well-made classic cocktails with an innovative twist, but more of a fun style and a little more technique involved just because we're going to have the ability to with a multiple bar. The last thing I want to do is create a program where people are waiting 15 minutes for drinks. That's the worst case scenario. So you have to work with what you have. And there, since we're building it from scratch, we'll have a little more ability to do things. And I know there's a lot of value at the bar here at Table 34. And I'm assuming that's something that you want to bring across to both the wine program and to the, the cocktail program. We're going to try our hardest. You know, prices have uh, gone up wherever they can. So, but yeah, we want to make sure that you get a good pour. We pour two ounce pours here. Um, we do, we want to keep everything fair. We want people to try different spirits and try new and exciting things. And uh, we, at the end of the day, we want people to feel value. Um, and that's going to be the same thing up there. And Centennial Hills is a hugely dense area, very underserved for restaurants. We feel like the bar is going to be a home run. We have a separate bar area, which is, we just really feel like it's going to get some good traction to it. We want to make sure people feel value so they can come there regularly and not feel like they're getting beat up as some places can. Cool. Well, guys, I want to just thank you for all your time bringing me up to date. Anything else I need to let people know about? 
No. Uh, Centennial Hills, we still are working on the name. Uh, originally, it was going to be Table 34 North. Uh, we are reworking that, coming up with something a little bit more creative and fresh and new um, so that we will keep you posted on. A few weeks ago, we told you about the shakeup at the plant-based Gray's Kitchen, which seemed to have the vegan community up in arms. Al dropped by the restaurant before they opened for business recently. He talked to the new owners and the new chef to find out just what's going on there. And I'm sitting here with Michael and Sarah Tarantino and Chef Lou V, or Lou Vu, um, one of the renowned vegan chefs of Las Vegas. And, of course, the Tarantinos, who you may know from their own Tarantino's Vegan Restaurant, which I was turned on to long time ago by Diana Edelman and had great meal in there one time. Um, the reason we are here at Gray's Kitchen is because I need to know what the hell is going on with this restaurant. I do not dig deep always into the um the drama and the 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 controversy of social media but i know there's a little bit of craziness going on here and then suddenly ownership change etc and then suddenly i got a message from you lou saying that you were here as well so michael i'm going to speak to you because i reached out to you first when i heard the nuttiness that was going on could you explain who runs Gray's Kitchen and what happened? What went down? Last I heard, John Simmons was one of the partners over here. I knew the old chef, and now they're all gone. So what's going on at Gray's Kitchen? Okay, first of all, I'll explain. Uh, Gray's Kitchen was indeed owned by John Simmons and Tabitha Simmons, as well as uh, Amelia Cooper. However, uh, I don't know what happened there, but there was a little bit of turmoil. I, I'm not involved in that piece. Um, and they decided to uh, step away from the business. Um, I was approached by actually the landlord here um, to see if I wanted to take it over um, because basically uh, they, weren't, they weren't doing well financially and they asked me to take it over and keep it a vegan restaurant, which originally I was going to just keep it as grays, keep all, everything the same, keep the recipes the same and run an operation as usual. However, there was a little bit of a, a rift between the partners where some recipes could be used, some couldn't. Um, so we decided, long story short, to go ahead and just make the change and uh, have our own concept and kind of get away from grays the way it was and try to put it, move it forward into something that it could be. Okay, but the name remains the same. It is still Gray's Kitchen. For now it is. Uh, we are still debating that as well if we want to change the name. Uh, but for now, it stays Gray's Kitchen. We're just, uh, we just transitioned. We're keeping it uh, full breakfast all day, kind of like they did before, as well as now we're putting a Mediterranean piece um, to it as well because there is no Mediterranean vegan in town currently. Um, I'm going to take you back. You said you were approached by the landlord, so correct me if I'm wrong here. Is that Jay Dapper? Or is, yes. Does he? Yes. Yes, that is Jay Dapper. And I, I believe uh, maybe Tabitha and John had reached out to him uh, uh, because they wanted to uh, maybe step away from the business as they have other businesses to focus on as well. And they probably couldn't give the time and attention that it needed because they're so inundated with all uh, the work they have with the other businesses. Well, see, that makes sense, too, because I know Jay and, you know, not to kiss a landlord's ass or anything. I know that's not something a lot of people do, but I know that he has a lot of restaurant tenants and I know he's very concerned with making sure that the right restaurants are in his properties. So the fact that he would reach out to you says, number one, that he's plugged into the community and that he, he realizes that you guys could do something here, which would be to keep that that vegan. I don't want to speak for him, but to keep that vegan idea going and to keep this a plant based restaurant and clearly um, you because you do run Tarantino's is is that the only other restaurant that you run 
Uh, as of now, yes. So have you always been a plant-based chef and a plant-based restaurateur? Actually, no. It's only been about five years. Uh, my wife turned me on to uh, veganism probably about seven years ago when she, seven, eight years ago when she turned uh, vegan. And um, I watched the documentaries like everybody else. I was motivated by that as well as there's a lot of health benefits. And I practiced cooking vegan food for quite some time. And we decided to open a restaurant because of that, um, because I've had a lot of experience in the food and beverage industry. And Tarantino's does quite well for you, I assume. It always seems crowded when, I, when I'm over there. <laughs> it is holding its own. Uh, it does well. It, it, I mean, it always can do better. We always want to strive for excellence, but um, we're working towards that. So then... There's the phone call that I get, or the, the, actually the Facebook message from you, Lou, that says, hey, I'm over now at Gray's Kitchen. And for those who don't know Lou, well, clearly you haven't been eating vegan in this town for very long because, I mean, man, you go all the way back to, like, go raw, I think, and then go vegan, and I've eaten at your places all over town. But for those who may not know you, Lou, Chef, how long have you been cooking here in Las Vegas? How long has it been plant-based cooking? Well, it has started as uncooking, so raw food is not cooking, and uh, 20 years ago, two decades of uh, offering raw vegan food and then cooked vegan food, so that's... That's my story. Wow. <laughs> well, no, your story is, is much, much larger than that. <laughs> and, uh, yes. And can I interject, uh, we reached out to Lou as well because of her... Uh, her experience and uh, knowledge in the vegan community, and we needed that extra stepper, that extra boost, in order to help Grace uh, be successful. So we're glad she's here, and we love her, and we hope that um, she continues to stay with us and uh, grow into the next phase. And and you guys both know this geographic region pretty well. I mean, you know, Tarantino's is not too far from here. Your last restaurant chef was not too far from here. So you, you certainly know this community and know this neighborhood. So I'm guessing, do you feel that this area, and by the way, where we are at Gray's Kitchen right now, it's um, just a few doors down from, um, from Firefly, right on the intersection of Buffalo and Warm Springs. So do you guys feel that this particular area geographically has a particularly strong vegan community or... Is it? Are you drawing people from all over the valley? I feel like we're drawing people from all over the valley as well as tourists. Um, we get a lot of travelers, people here on business, people here on vacation that are looking for good food. And I love the accessibility to this location. It's just right off the 215 Beltway. So anywhere you are in Las Vegas, if you hop on a freeway, you can easily access our, our location. Okay, cool. So now let's talk about what the menu is like here, right? Um, we've established that it's going to be plant-based. We've established that there's going to be a Mediterranean component, but also an all-day breakfast component, I believe. Right, Chef? Yes, I love breakfast. I can eat it for every meal of the day. And I'm grateful that Sarah and Michael are on board with having breakfast served all day because who doesn't love breakfast for dinner? And doing Mediterranean, of course, um, Mediterranean red hot right now. I mean, everybody's you know trying to eat a lot healthier, et cetera. And it certainly lends itself pretty well, I guess, to the plant-based movement. If you're trying to adapt a cuisine, and I guess I'll, I'll ask you this question, sir. Is it easier to adapt Mediterranean to plant-based than it is Italian? Yes, it is definitely easier. Uh, Italian's a little more difficult with the cheeses, the meats, and the, the heavy meals that uh, normally uh, encompass an Italian cuisine. So. so, Chef Lou, what can we expect on the menu here? 
Well, we have omelets and we have breakfast bowls and lots of kebabs and wraps and gyros and all the kind of Mediterranean food that people love, just the veganized version of it. And with Michael's experience with uh, Greek food, um, it's a huge blessing because his flavor profiles are so spot on and really delicious. Now, we've spoken about this many times over the years. There's a lot of different different ways to produce plant-based food. You were a huge proponent of the raw foods movement, uh, certainly early on, but I believe you're still into it. But there's also some people use meat substitutes, some people don't use meat substitutes, things like that. Um, what's your philosophy when it comes to the types of ingredients that you use here? Well, we like to use top shelf ingredients, the good, healthier oils, um, the higher, you know, Himalayan salt rather than the iodized salt, things of that nature that are going to bring out the flavor of the food more so than masking it and covering it up and trying to bring flavor to it by over seasoning. Um, Michael, again, is just amazing with the flavor profiles he's created for the Mediterranean and I love some of the breakfast items we have some from go vegan uh, that we brought over and and some of the raw dishes from go vegan and there's always going to be specials Uh, my background uh, my family's from the former Yugoslavia so I'm excited to share our version of burek and our version of moussaka and all those kinds of things so foods that I grew up with I'm really excited to share like even more so than than the raw. Um, do you use like Impossible or those other the, the, the other meat substitutes that we're also familiar with? No, we don't use Impossible or Beyond, but we do have a few products that we use that are are made. But most of it is made in house. Um, we're using you know vegetables, nuts and seeds, rice. Uh, rice. Of course, we don't make our own pitas, but uh, the pitas that we do source are delicious. Um, but yeah, we, we use that to a minimum, but we know that's also something that people are looking for that aren't necessarily looking for the healthiest option, but the most delicious option. So we, uh, we resolve to use some of those kinds of products, just not beyond or impossible. Okay. So some of the artificial meats, but not those, those well-known name brands. I, I'm told you, Michael, that you make things like gyro meat and stuff like that all the way from scratch because that just seems like, um, you know, doing a, a plant-based version of that sounds crazy. Uh, yes, I definitely... Uh, I, I should say gyros for those of you who don't know what a gyro is. <laughs> yes, gyro or gyro, however you want to pronounce it, is fine by me. I try to make as much as I can in-house. The only time I don't is if my product just doesn't taste as good as the one we can source. Uh, For the most part, I try to make everything homemade, and then I adjust it as needed if I uh, don't get the right feedback, if it's, uh, you know, just taste okay. So we're always evolving our recipes and our recipe books, which is where Lou comes in hand because she's got a lot of great ideas. For instance, the chorizo she makes is amazing. I, I learned so much from her that you can take rice, oats, and... What, what else is it in that recipe? Just a bunch of seasonings and turn it, and it literally tastes like chorizo. It, it's amazing. So uh, together with Lou, we collab, and I think that's uh, going to be the recipe for success. Um, yes. And, and also, while a lot of other store-brought brands, dairy products have carrageenan or some of those uh, not-so-savory ingredients, we make our tzatziki and hummus homemade from organic cashews. So you're getting protein, fiber, health benefits with none of the added chemicals. 
Very cool. Very cool. Um, okay, so I, I'm told this may be a hot button issue, but I got to ask: Do you do gluten free options? <laughs> Yes, we do for a half a minute. And the ongoing joke is like, hurry up, get over to Gray's before they change the menu again. Um, yes, we did go 100% gluten-free because it's really difficult to teach a staff to change the gloves, change the cutting boards, change the knives in order to make one dish for one particular customer that needs it to be completely gluten-free. So it was just easier just to throw it all out the window and be completely gluten-free. Well, then the added costs that came with it and the lack of folks coming through the door, we quickly found out that that wasn't going to work for us. While it isn't 100% gluten-free, there are so many gluten-free options on this menu as well. I think there are only three items, the pitas, the chicken, and the gyro that are not gluten-free. Everything else can be made gluten-free, and a lot of the pastries are still gluten-free. Okay, well, thank you for setting the record straight on everything that's going on over here. Best of luck to everybody, man. I, I would love to see this place thrive. It's pretty close to my house. I don't get out um, for plant-based food often enough. So now that I know you're over here, Lou, you know, you can always get me in. So I think you guys may be seeing me in here. Thanks a lot for your time, everybody. Thank you. It was a pleasure. The news is next. This is Food and Loathing. We are all over social media. Just search for Food and Loathing or reach out directly. Info at foodandloathing.vegas. And where am I these days? What am I doing? Most important, what am I eating, cooking, and learning? Find out anytime at wishboneandvine.com. One more time, that's info at foodandloathing.vegas. And my site, wishboneandvine.com. And it's time for the news, but let's face it, I've been out of town, Rich is out of town, Gemini's been in and out of town, um, <laughs> and all the people we would normally steal news from are out of town on vacation, and they're all doing year-end fucking Welcome stories. to the holiday shows. Yeah, yeah, welcome to the holiday shows. Wait till you see what we have for you next week. I don't even know yet. But um, I will tell you, in my inbox this morning, Bobby, or maybe yesterday, Bobby Flay's newest restaurant, Brasserie B by Bobby Flay, is now accepting res- reservations in Caesar's Palace. As the name suggests, this is a French brasserie concept, which is traditionally a more casual French operation. So, yeah, they're going to have steak frites. In this case, it's a ribeye piquant avec frites with the decidedly not French, at least to my knowledge, but um, very very Bobby Flay, chili butter, right? Chili butter is not really a typical steak frites thing, right? That's definitely Bobby's Southwestern influence there. Uh, So I want to get in and try that. Uh, I yeah. do like Bobby's food. I always have. Um, what else can I tell you? Oh, and if you don't want to, you know, I usually do moules frites, which would be the mussels. Oh, with the yeah. the I didn't see that here. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't have it. But they do have what they describe as lobster avec frites. Okay. So um, you can order your lobster with your French fries, which yeah. is cool to me. That just screams Wildwood, New Jersey, actually, more <laughs> than it does the South of I France. imagine <laughs> dipping my frites in, uh, in uh, butter. And that doesn't suck. That sounds no, good. No, that all just sounds really nice. Mm, yes, because as I said, if you've got clarified butter running down your face, everything else is just a butter delivery device. That's right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Brasserie B is in the former old homestead space, and it marks Flay's second sit-down restaurant at Caesar's Palace, the other, of course, being Amalfi. They like share uh, a wall, don't they? The two mm, restaurants are near. No, not quite. Okay, not quite. No, it's around but, the corner. 
Yeah, around the corner. Just around the corner. All right. Um, I already <laughs> mentioned the chef truck being open in Park MGM. Uh, that's about it, man. You know what? Let's let you guys go. We had a busy top of the show. We can let them go easy. Yes, let let yes. you go early. Let you go for their vacation. <laughs> <laughs> um, a big thanks to all of our guests this week: Michael and Sarah Tarantino, Chef Lou V, Constantine Alexander. Evan Glussman, and Chef Joe Valdez. We will be back next week with some sort of year-end package. I got your package, baby. (laughs) For now, I'm Al Mancini signing off for Samantha Gemini Stevens and Rich Johnson. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.